encountering the texture of the text of God's Word, text and context. All right, I'm going to go ahead and get started. Good morning, Susie. You snuck in. See you. You are sneaking. I talked my way in. Oh, oh, Alan, how are you, sir? I'll give you a Okay. 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 Do you want me to use the microphone? I used it last week, didn't I? You weren't here. Did I use it last week? Do you want me to use it? Do you want me to? Juanice, do you want me to use the microphone? Do you want me to use this again? I don't mind to. Are you sure? Okay, I don't mind to. But what? Oh, okay. Well, if Phyllis walks in, I'll just subtly. <laughs> Hello. And we'll all laugh, but she won't know why. She won't know why. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're in Mark 10 still this morning, talking about the rich young ruler. Uh, hope we'll kind of finish up with the rich young ruler today. Been on in for a long time. I'm ready to move on. So, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer, then we'll hop in. Father in heaven, as we open our Bibles, pray that you would open also our heart our head, and our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, rich young ruler. Uh, So I don't remember exactly where we left off last week. Um, It's kind of a big section. I want to start with the stuff about, um, because I meant to say something about the fact that I love where it says, he looked at him and he loved him. And that's why he tells him what he tells him to leave all his possessions and then he'll have treasure in heaven looking at him loved him and said um, <laughs> takes a lot of love to speak a harsh word sometimes I fear that you know you hear a lot of stuff about speak the truth in love which is what Paul says in Ephesians I worry sometimes though that we use that as an excuse to then speak not lovingly by saying well I'm speaking the truth in love and then I hear people say things that I'm like that wasn't loving at all <laughs> um, <laughs> But <laughs> how do you, there's no good way to finish that. Yeah, there's no good way to finish. Well, I don't mean to offend anybody, but well, I want to speak the truth in love here. So it's like, well, okay, yeah. It's more. It's usually truth as you perceive it on some fringe issue. But you're gonna let us know. Yeah, yeah. That's not always true, but usually it's it's used as an excuse. But not for Jesus. Jesus, uh, he he genuinely loves him. And he's just telling him, like, this guy is genuinely asking, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And he's like, well, do you want it? It's a great question. It's a great question. Uh, what do you want to do to inherit eternal life? Wonderful question. Put this in the steps of salvation. Yeah, put in the steps of salvation, the five steps. You know, it's funny. I've, I've never found the passage where it lists the five steps. I can't, I can't find it in there. Okay. Yeah. The old five-finger exercise. Yeah, the sixth yeah. finger is going to be, you got to give away all your possessions. Yes, the sixth one. Give away all your well, yeah, they grab it from different. It's like the Romans Road. It's like you're, you're, the Romans Road, so-called, is always like hodgepodge 
and in the wrong order of Romans. And I'm like, maybe you should just read Romans. There's an idea. <laughs> See what you get out of that. <laughs> Instead of putting it in your own order. Oh. You assign people to read a whole hour-long treatise, then they're yeah. never going to be saved. Yeah. You should well, definitely save people who aren't willing to read a book. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um... Uh, what was I going to say? Wednesday, oh, I see. He looks, him. he looks at him and loves him. I was going to move on uh, to this, this stuff about how hard it is will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are perplexed at these words. Um, why are the disciples perplexed at these words, by the way? They were easily confused. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. But, like, why this specifically? Like, this doesn't seem too troublesome. Um, especially for people who we assume are, I mean, they, like they're not complete peasants, right? Like we talked about how Peter and his family probably had a decent fishing business, like enough to make ends meet. He has a house, right? That's good. So they're not just like living under a bridge like sometimes they're depicted. But they're also not like Caesar. You know, they're not like, there's not like a middle class in the ancient world. Yeah, not really. Bigger gulf between the rich and Yeah, the quite a bit. And so, it's, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't really, I don't know if you'd consider them. They're probably, they're, they're probably certainly not as wealthy as this rich young ruler, I would imagine. They probably considered their middle class even though they were just upper low class. <laughs> upper low class. Uh, yeah, I guess they were upper low class kind of thing. I mean, yeah, they're, these are, they're not migrant workers, which is the bottom level. They're not slaves. Right, which is also the bottom level. Yeah. Um, so they're definitely not, but having a house in this period is not, like, you just... Probably could be inherited or something. Like well, it's also just, like, lots of people, like, people just had houses, like, serfs have houses, that's had right. houses in the medieval period, like, people have houses because that's, like, housing scarcity is a product of the fact that we live in, like, very, like, dense areas, and okay. housing isn't really high demand. That's fair. But, like... The, the benefit of a worker having a house is so much higher than the benefit of like an extra, you know, this much space of farmland, which is about. Like, yeah. And so, but they're still not like. No, they're, they're poor. Yeah, they're, they're still poor. poor. They're like, poor. they're, they're so not. Then, like, why are they perplexed by this? Why are they like. It's always fascinating me. Like, why are they. Why are they so dumbfounded? Because then they say, well. Uh, Jesus says, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about that in a second. Because there's a lot of misnomers about that little phrase. But uh, then the disciples are like, well, who can be saved? They believed that, that people were blessed financially. Yeah. Yeah. They were righteous. Yeah, so like in Proverbs yeah. 10, 22, the blessed thing of the Lord makes rich and he has no sorrow with it. Yeah. yeah. Or you could read all of Deuteronomy, right, which is... Yeah. Not actually about individuals, but about Israel collectively. But it's very. But it still has that theology. It has like a like, if you follow me, if you do what I say, then you'll prosper. And if you don't follow me, you don't do what I say. Then I'm yes. gonna send a bunch of armies to grind you into the dust. Like yes. that's that's Deuteronomy. There's yeah, like no, a whole bit sure. about NBA. It's like two paragraphs. Yes, just that statement. Yeah, so there are places you can point to, especially in the Old Testament, like Proverbs, Deuteronomy, are the ones he was emphasizing that. That seem to say, like, God will bless you if you're righteous. Of course, you know, you put it in context, you know, Proverbs. Um, for every proverb you find in the book of Proverbs, you can find a, one that seems to say the opposite. Because that's how Proverbs works, because that's how wisdom works, right? Uh, there's my favorite passage in Proverbs is, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And the next verse is, 
Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. It's because there's a time to do one and a time to do the other, right? And so for Proverbs, you can generally always find, because um, there are places in Proverbs where it even seems to say, like, you know, the, those who oppress others are the ones that have riches versus those who uh, are righteous aren't as concerned with it. And so, you know, you can find places in there, but you can also find places that seem to justify, right? Like this is why the prosperity movement, the prosperity gospel movement is yeah. as large as it is. Um, and I just talking about people like Soros. Like who? Soros. Soros? Soros. George Soros. Billionaire. He's a big financier. He made most of his money calling the shore on, um, on the British government in the oh. 80s. Okay, okay. Go ahead. I was anyway, unaware of this. He uses all of his money to bring everything down. All the establishments down. Number one person is funding all the anti-corruption or the corruption that's going on in this country right now. George Soros. Soros. Okay. He's a teenager. No. You just don't watch enough Fox News. <laughs> it's true that that's what's going on here. You don't watch enough Fox News. He's a very either. liberal billionaire. That's the basic explanation okay. of what made his money off of Jews. Just he was like. Okay. He held he the coats of, when he was a teenager, he held the jackets of the Nazis who... Okay. Yeah. So, he was, yeah, he was... So he's a Nazi. He's, he's literally Jewish. He's not a Nazi. He's literally yeah. Jewish. Like, he was a Jew in occupied Hungary. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's... He's I'll not a Nazi. This, but, but, but there, he was there a Jewish teenager in occupied Hungary. To, uh, that's, that's what I'm thinking this is talking about. Is it's, people, it's people who use wealth to... Oppress others who use wealth to. And they love. They love the money itself. Yeah, yeah. It can certainly get out of. Yeah, it's it's the power, really. Yeah, it can certainly get out of hand. I I think so too. And and if we think it's bad in our world, Caesar, top dog in this world, right? Like, you don't question Caesar. Caesar's the one that has all the wealth, uh, for sure. Well, your question was, what made them complex? Yeah. By and I agree with Steve is that. They've probably all been raised that mm-hmm. if you have power, if you have wealth, it's because God favors you, yeah. or you did you did well, you did something well, and this is flying in the face of that. It's like then they're like, okay, who can be saved? You yeah. Know, it's like yeah, we're, we've always thought if we follow everything, God will bless us, and yeah. We still kind of think that some today, yeah. in a lot of circles. Of course, a lot of times I've got the opposite opinion. I think if they got a lot of money, they probably did something. <laughs> a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them. But you know, it is. We do still believe. Yeah, we do still kind of have this idea that like God will bless us. It's not completely. It's not completely wrong. It's just wrong in a strict sense. It's like it's always there's a one to one correlation. That's, I think that's really the problem. I think we can say generally God blesses us, right? Like every good blessing is from him. If you have a good thing, it is from him. But like that strict, like, well, if you're very blessed, it must be because you're very holy. And if you're very not blessed, <laughs> very poor, very destitute, it must be because you're very unholy. Like that's, that strict logic is, I think, where it breaks down. Well, I think God tells us to do, do and don't do certain things because it does impact your life. You know? Oh, for sure. It puts you, I mean, look at, drugs and and there's lots of vices that if you just don't do those vices sure you're not going to spend money on those things you're not going to get in situations that mm-hmm. lead to things that are, are such devastating yeah. things yes 
flourishing, human yeah. flourishing. Yeah, like so. I'm like the Ten Commandments. I'm on the Ten Commandments right now, right? Like if we don't murder each other, it's probably going to be a better world. Yeah, right? it's like planting uh, like a garden. If you don't water it, or you do certain things, it'll die. And yeah. if you do certain things, you're more likely to have a better crop. Have a better crop. Right? Yes. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. So in general, like. You know, if God created all of life and existence, he probably knows how it works best. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. But then there's, of course, the cases like Job. Yeah. Right. Where it doesn't make sense. But we have to be careful not to try to explain it on our terms. But they automatically said, what have you done? What have you, well, what'd you do? You you must have done something. His list is like, long. I did not do anything. Yeah, Job is very detailed. He's like, he's like, so the whole thing about like, not only did I not commit adultery, not only did I not lust after somebody else in my eye, I made a covenant with my own eyes so that I wouldn't look upon a woman lustfully. Like, he's very, he's like, not only did I make sacrifices for myself, I made them for my children, just to be sure. Like he's, when I was a boy, yeah. I welcomed homeless people into my yes. house, and I kept doing that forever. It never stopped. Yes, yeah. he's very detailed, yeah. Um, yeah, Job is a... Fascinating. We always remember the beginning and ending of Job. We never remember the middle of Job, which is... That's because you guys listen to his friends be obnoxious prats. Yeah, because we don't like to listen <laughs> to like his friends. For like a solid 20 of the 40 chapters, it's like his friends being yes. like, what if I mouthed off with no idea what I was talking about? Yeah, yeah, the friends, uh, yeah, the friends are obnoxious. Who needs friends? Who needs friends like that? Yeah. His wife does. His wife does that. His wife says, well, just curse God and die. What are you holding on to your that's, like the, that's the first one, isn't it? Yeah, that's like right off the bat. And he's like, nah, man. Yes, my family's dead. I lost all of my money. But I wouldn't have had any of those things without God anyway. And what gets so. me the most is he gets his kids. He gets more kids back than he had before. And I'm always like, what would that be like to be Job's new kids? You're in his house and you see this picture on the mantle and you're like, dad, who are these people? It's like, oh, those are my former kids. What happened? And he explains. What's to stop that from happening again? <laughs> well, who knows? Well, I'm old, so I'm His old. ways are not our ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll be grateful for what you have. You'll be grateful for what you have. Yeah. Job's an interesting story. But um, the rich entering the kingdom of God. That's, yeah. The disciples are perplexed. I think maybe that's part of it. Yeah, Steve and David, I think you're right. Now, okay, I want to talk about this thing about the eye. Camel going through the eye of a needle. All right, let's talk about this. What have you typically heard in regards... To the camel going through the eye of a needle. I heard that it was a gate. That is not true. <laughs> there is absolutely zero evidence of any gate like that ever being found in Jerusalem or surrounding area. It's a great little illustration. That's great. It's, it, it is great. But there's zero evidence of anything. We've never found, they've never found a, a gate called the eye of the needle. There's no, there's no inscription. There's no, there's no evidence of the gate. We've never found it, right? Like, so whoever, wherever this comes from, it's, it's just completely, unless you have a direct revelation from God there. Like, I don't know, but um, kind of thinking, kind of thinking, no. It's made up. Yeah, it's made up. There, there's uh, a weird history there. But no, it's, it's talking about literally, and I have a needle. Like, they had needles back then. I know that, you know, we think we're so technologically advanced. I may not have had sewing machines, but they had needles. <laughs> they had that technology by then. You know, we're already past the Bronze Age and other things. And so uh, they had that, and they had camels. So it's, I mean, it's, it's what we think of. Right? Um, but then, of course, this stuff about for mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. 
and you're like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> this passage is really odd. It kind of takes twists and turns, right? So this guy comes up and he's asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Keep the commandments. I've kept them since my youth. Okay, great. Well then sell everything you have, give it to the poor. And then he leaves because he's sad because he has a bunch of possessions. And then Jesus is like, oh, how hard it is for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. It's hard, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for each person to enter heaven. Who can be saved? Asked by poor peasants. And then, well, it's not impossible. because God. This is a weird turn of events, isn't it? It's, it's a weird... Um... How is it correlated to going to heaven? Yeah. Yeah. Because not everyone's going to make it. Yeah. radical conversion stories. You're right. Those stories that were like, well, that person is never going to find faith. I know I took a vow as a pastor to say nobody is beyond saving, but that person is beyond saving. <laughs> and then and then I stand corrected, right? Yeah, or... Well, the truth is, all salvation is by grace. Yeah. You know, it, it's impossible for us without God giving it to yeah. us. Yeah. And Yeah. So, you know. That's a scary thing. There's a point there, I think, to be made that uh, there's a a great deal of temptation and all that comes with having a lot of wealth. Uh, Certainly. But it certainly doesn't mean that there aren't people who will overcome that. Yeah. Yes, certainly. We all know of those people who have great wealth that we believe have accumulated it through less than righteous means. But we also probably all know of or know people who are really rather wealthy and tremendously generous. And and tremendously generous in an absurd way, too. I do. We need people with Oh, certainly. It costs a lot of money to an establishment. Yeah, absolutely. It does. I, I, you need people who have that generosity. Yeah. He's the only one that knows what's in each person's heart. Sure. No matter if we don't see it, you know, that doesn't mean it's not there. God yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think I, I love that. And it makes me think of this, something I wanted to say about this story in general. We always, like, I've heard a lot of sermons that kind of, like, really rag on the rich young ruler, like, Missed out, you know? But, I mean, hey, we don't know the rest of the story. This is told rhetorically for the purpose of, like, this story is recorded in such a way that it's making a point. But who knows what happens between the lines? Who knows if later he didn't come back? Maybe even after the resurrection, he hears the story and he says, you know what, that was the wrong choice. There's hope. His heart could change. I think think this is right on the heels of that that story. And I could just see Jesus kind of Mm -hmm. shaking his head because he could see that person art and he's like wow you know in this culture he has 
all the esteem of yes. those around him, but he's shaking his head like he, he's missing the, a major part of it. And yeah. I'm not so sure that it was that he had to give everything away. I think Jesus said that to illustrate that he had a he was not balanced or he was not um, mm. he, he put too much value on possessions or something. Yeah. Because it, I think he wanted to shock him, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's provocative I think for he sure. The, uh, yeah. They were probably going. Oh my goodness. They were going. All right, disciples trip to Maui. <laughs> <laughs> Again, explicitly, Jesus does not tell him to give the money to them. Yeah, no, to them, no, for sure. So uh, you know, I think he, the apostles probably heard this, and they're looking at him going, "Here's a guy who's done all these." Yeah. Guys. God's blessed him with wealth, and then Jesus just goes, uh-uh, you miss missed something. Yeah. And they're going, who can be saved because this guy can't be saved? I mean, he's, yeah. he's what we are all striving to be, and yeah, he's, he's kind of turned everything upside down. Standing rich guy, he's not going. Like He's not going to make it. Like That's yeah. what Jesus says explicitly. Yeah. He's yeah. very pious. He's very pious. You can see that from, yeah. like, I did all this. He like runs up. like He seems to care about all of this stuff, and it's like... Not saying. So, certainly the major emphasis of the text clearly is on the wealth and money, right? But if you'd allow me to be abstract for a moment, um, I think there are plenty of people in plenty of established churches and church-type institutions that we look, we tend to hold up and be like, but there's actually in their heart this one area where they're like, sorry, God, that part's off limits. And I think that's part of the shock of the disciples, too. Is you know there I, I can see like we hear all these scandals that come out about some of the big mega churches and some of these other institutions and and we're all like oh and I'm like I'm not surprised it just sounds like the rich young ruler again there was one place in their heart that was this space is sorry this is the uh, everything else is good but this this is the part that's off limits yeah this is this is the you said red light red line yeah this is the red this is my line in the sand this is my red line this is the nope this is the place we don't cross yeah. I think we get into the, the check boxes. Yeah. You know, of, and, and that's been our our tradition. Is oh, yeah. Really, we love check boxes. We really love that. You know, I love check boxes. And if we've got all our boxes <laughs> checked, and I kind of think that's what he's doing is the rich young ruler saying, I've checked all the boxes. Yeah. And, and he's, he's saying, that's not what gets you there into heaven. Um, he's missing. gives his resume yeah yeah well i was a pharisee of pharisees yes i have if anybody kept the law i kept the law you think you kept the law you did not keep the law i kept the law yeah paul's resume in philippians and then he says but i count it all as rubbish garbage such a such a polite translation yeah uh 
picked all the apostles of all the people. Why them? Yeah. Okay. How many people do you know that would drop everything? And he knew when he chose them that their hearts were going to say, okay, I'm dropping everything. Yeah. Who has that kind of Do Not the rich young ruler. <laughs> you know, I don't think yeah. to follow somebody. You know, yeah. I'm so, what do, you, what do you call it, the doubting Thomas person? Ah. You know, I hear people talking all the time, and I'm, you know, talking about all this stuff, and I'm going, yeah, uh, I don't think uh, so, dude. I wouldn't yeah. follow you for nothing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. To turn around and say, I'm dropping everything. What kind of a person does that I've often wondered what kind of a person that really is inside here that would do that. We already know Judas did it, but he had alternative, you know. Yeah, alternative motives. Still, yeah. but Jesus knew that he was going to do that yeah. before he ever even chose it. Yeah. yeah. Judas? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. I have a whole meditation on Judas that I think is worth dwelling on because Judas, he brought people to Jesus probably, right? Like people, the, the disciples were sent out in two by twos, so he probably helped on a missionary team and brought people to Jesus. So how would you feel afterwards if you were one of the now devout followers of Jesus who was brought there by Judas? I think this is a question a lot of people are asking in a world in which we continue to find pastors who committed these grand scandals and they say well does that delegitimize de my faith I think there's an interesting parallel there right like Judas even though he did some did a terrible 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 thing he still brought people to Jesus and those people's faith is in Jesus not Judas and so even for those who are recovering from some really abusive church situations like their faith is in Jesus I hope not in Judas or fill in the blank uh, I love how Peter says um well, look, we, we left everything and followed you. <laughs> he interjects. Uh, I feel like they're getting nervous, right? I feel like Peter and them are getting a little nervous here. And Jesus said, yeah, I would too. Jesus said, well, I am nervous. Jesus said, truly I tell you, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields and with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Uh, but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. That's, um, that's interesting. That's interesting. And that plays right into what Jesus is about to talk about, this self-sacrificial death that he's about to live. This is the third time he's told the disciples about this, and the disciples are still like, huh? Uh, he says in verse 32, starting in verse 32, uh, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Apparently, you can be amazed and afraid. Uh, he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and will kill him, and after three days he will rise again. We don't even get their reaction this time. But I think we can assume what their reaction is the third time is similar that it's been the other two times, which is, huh? Yeah. You know, this comment about no one that 
that's left house, her brother and her sister and her mother and all. You know, uh, these men didn't abandon their family. No. And, you know, Peter didn't abandon his mother and his yeah. family. Yeah. Uh, yes, he gave his life to Christ. You know, but uh, he still took care of his family. He still worked. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. I, I like the way the chosen depicts that too. Like his wife is all like, like she's all for it. She's like, go. Like, it's it's not it's not a. Uh, yeah, I like that. Nonetheless, there does seem to be. I don't know. In the gospels depictions, there's like very much an expectation of some level of conflict. Oh, there is. There is a level of conflict. I agree. Like. um I mean, I think the most famous one is the one that's killing. Okay, wow, that's a, that's a lot. Um, where there's the guy. Can I first go bury my dad? Yeah, like I want to go bury him. Let me go bury my father. And Jesus yeah. is like, he's yeah, gonna no. be dead when you get back. <laughs> like, yeah. Just like, wow, Jesus. Okay. Yeah, pretty harsh. And that, uh, yeah, that scene in particular where he says, "Let me first go say goodbye to my family and then come follow you," and then it goes even more dramatic with can I first go bury my dad and then he's like let the dead bury their own dead he that story sounds a lot like Elisha following Elijah whenever Elijah calls Elisha Elisha says okay I'm totally in for this but can I go say goodbye to my family first and you know what Elijah says of course oh my word yes go tell goodbye to your family (laughs) no that that is what he said Elijah told Elisha go say goodbye to your family and he did and then after, and he said goodbye, made a big ceremony, and then he burned the plow so that he wouldn't have anything to return to. So made a good show of it. And then he came and followed Elijah. But whenever they come to follow Jesus, he says, hey, can I go say goodbye first? And Jesus says, no, it's too urgent. Which is showing like, he's kind of like Elijah, but all the more urgent. And of course, John the Baptist is this Elijah type figure. Right? So John the Baptist's message was urgent, but mine's all the more urgent. Tremendously more urgent. There's just no time. Well, it may, not, it may have been that his father wasn't, on deathbed, he could have said, let yeah. go until my father dies. And then, like, could be. It might be a couple of years or could something. Could be. And Jesus going, it's yeah. not time for that. I'm going to be gone in three years. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. There's an urgency here. Yeah. yeah. Hence the immediacy of the gospel in Mark, especially. Immediate. But that, that kind of is a lesson. You know, a lot of times it's like, well, when I finish school or when I, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when I get married or when I get our kids raised, you know, there's always something in our lives that we can uh, use as a yes. excuse to not do things. And, I mean, I, I know it. Yeah. It yeah. And, and even somewhat legitimate excuses. Yeah. Right? Like, like, it's not like I'm like, well, uh, my big toe hurts. Uh, <laughs> uh, try it again next week. No, it's like those are legitimate concerns. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. even legitimate concerns get overridden you for... Know, it might be in the view of... Your yeah. children or who needs you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rosemary, are you? Um, I'm just backing up yeah. stuff to where you talked about, um, you know, that you're, you're going to be get it all back multiplied many times mm-hmm. over. But I'm glad that you put in, but also in troubles. Those are going to be multiplied also. Because I yeah. think it when people say, you know, well, why does God let bad things happen to good people, you know? And so, you know, we're not sure of a yeah. you know, cream puff life. Of an, of an easy path, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're going to have just as many troubles as everybody else. Yeah. More. But, you know, 
real reward is in the end. Yeah. 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 And I, I think we are more equipped. Uh, you know, it's funny. I hear people of faith complain about the troubles that we face in life. And I'm like, well, aren't we the most equipped to deal with it? Or should, uh, yeah. shouldn't we? Don't we claim to be by our faith the most right. equipped to deal with it as opposed to anybody? I mean, I'm not saying that we also are just going to, like, I'm not looking for those that are like, yes, my entire family just died, but you know what? I'm totally serene. It's all good. Not like, like that person is repressing hard. Like they, that is not holy. That is very unholy. But I, I do mean that there is something to be said for those that, that weather the storms with a certain grace and elegance that you just don't find in people without faith. And uh, that, that weather it with a certain hope and a certain tenacity, maybe that's the right word, that you just don't find elsewhere. And, I, I, and so I, I think we of all people are equipped to, right. to deal with those. And I, I think that's part of what he is getting at, um, partially, mm-hmm. but for sure. And, and, and the self-sacrifice, self-sacrificial service, right? So uh, Jesus is about to go die. He knows this is what's going to happen. And it's not just like a, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to die while I'm sleeping. <laughs> this is... Like a really, really bad death, right? Like, like humiliating and disturbing and painful, and and yet he does it willingly. That's. It was bad enough that he asked God to take take it away from him. Yeah, if it be your will, let this cup pass. But not my will be yours. Be done. Yeah, which is a wonderful passage. Yes. Um. What time is it? There's not quite enough time. I feel to go into the stuff about James and John, but I do love the story where James and John, we'll start there next week, but the request of James and John is fresh on the heels of all this where they say, so you can, you can see the connection. Peter just said, well, we left everything to follow you. Aren't we going to get our reward? And he says, oh yeah, of course. Well, then James and John are like, all right, now's the opportunity to try to secure our seat. It is right and is left. And so they, they come and ask him. It's not in Mark, but in, I think, Matthew and maybe Luke as well. Their mom gets involved and comes to ask Jesus, which is just hilarious. Just hilarious. Mama thinks good of us. Mama, well, you just don't understand. My boys, they're special. They graduated magna cum laude from Galilee High School. I, yeah. Uh, did they? <laughs> did they? Maybe not. They're, they're, I don't think. I don't they're think uneducated. Any, let's right? be really here. I don't think any of these disciples are A-level students. No, they're not A-level students. <laughs> That's but, why the, uh, the Pharisees are like, we can't do anything for these people. They're too stupid to know any better. <laughs> but what? What? Yeah, I'm just like thinking back to things that I've heard actual mothers say, okay. like in high school about Our like. Our oldest daughter worked for residence life at the college that she went to. Yes. 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 My child and, and Sam would be like, I'm sorry, your child is an adult. Like, I can't. They have to call for themselves. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's, it doesn't stop after high school. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would never, I would never intervene yeah. in yeah. Like high school. I would just, I'd be like, you need to go talk to your Life sucks. <laughs> I guess the name is just stop being an adult. No, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't. My mom and dad used to work at, they used to uh, do A&W Long John Silvers. It was a long time I was growing up. They were the managers at the fast food restaurant. And they would have people call in and say, well, you don't understand. My child can't come in today. It's their birthday. My dad's like, they've been on the schedule for two weeks. They're fired if they don't show up. Like, I don't care if it's their birthday. Like, I might give them a cupcake or something at their break or something. But, like, come on. Like, it's, it's their time. Or, like, teaching. Uh, 
Like you have this one kid that's like a living terror in class. And then you write them up, and then the parent is just like, well, my child would never do that. I don't understand. I'm like, I don't know what you mean. They wouldn't. They did. I don't see what, like, you telling me that didn't happen? You got well, to do a DNA test thing because I've seen your child. I've I know seen, that. I know I've, I've worked with your child. <laughs> You're at work all day. I'm spending time with I them. know that you know the same child I do because I give them to you at the end of the day. <laughs> We're talking about the same one. We're just disagreeing what's going on. The telling thing is when you have a parent conference and the child is there in the parent conference because you're going to address a certain issue and then the parents are just like the child. Yes. <laughs> yes. Taking any kind of responsibility. Yes. Or, You're wrong, teacher. You just don't understand. You, you know? just don't understand. And then you, you see right here. Okay, I see why this kid yeah. has problems. That was tremendously eye-opening. That that one and a half years of teaching there were tremendously eye-opening. Yeah. And you can almost see the child sitting there with the parent saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Well, I, I, I made, I've got it made now. Yeah. You know, when they know they did it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know you did it. You know you did it. We know you did it. Mom probably knows you did it in her heart. Like, come on, she's not stupid. She's just plain ignorant. She totally knows. There's no way to not know. They deal with the child like the exact same amount as teachers do. Yeah. It's like eight hours a day. Yes. Well, so that's the exact scenario that's going on with James and John's mom. Uh, which I just love. I just love that little detail. But um, so, I was just thinking, uh, talking about this scripture that obviously Jesus is thinking about what's in front of him. Yes. Because yeah, he gets right yes. into it, right? So he's thinking about it. Here, this rich young ruler comes in and says, "I've done this, this, and this. What else do I need to do mm-hmm. for me to just to save myself?" Yeah. And he's about to face the cross and. I could see him just going, you guys don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. None of you can earn your way. He's told it three times. I'm going to go suffer, die, and then after three days rise again. And they're like, what in the world does that mean? (laughs) Just have this blank stare. And, I mean, notice all these stories that are leading up to the triumphal entry. All these stories really kind of set the – so from the transfiguration to the triumphal entry, just about every story and every little blurb of teaching by Jesus in there has something to do with discipleship, suffering, and service. Just about every single one of them in some way have something to do with that. The rich young ruler turns away because he can't make the full dedication. James and John, even though they're his closest disciples, are like trying to, um, they're trying to secure their place. Yeah, they're fighting for, for political power amongst the disciples, right? Uh, and then blind Bartimaeus is, to me, really like the culmination right before the triumphal entry who has a certain tenacity about his faith that says, um, come to me. And the, the story of James and John and the story of blind Bartimaeus, they go hand in hand because Jesus asks the same question of both of them. What do you want me to do for you? That's a really important question that Jesus asks us. Well, what do you want me to do for you? And our answer is rather telling. Not that I, I know we all know the proper answers, right? We were grown in Sunday school, but, but I'm not talking about the proper answers. I'm talking about the answers we actually give. Um, we're more like James and John. <laughs> yeah, certainly. He's trying to say, this is all superficial. Yeah. Let's get to the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Blind Bartimaeus sees a lot more than the disciples do. For a blind guy, he sees a lot. Yeah, for sure. Most do. Yeah. 
Most do, especially in the gospel. <laughs> all the people who can't see are the ones who can see. All the people who can't hear are the ones who can hear. <laughs> yeah. All the ones who can't walk are the ones who are walking in faith. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, well, we'll dwell on that story next week. That's a favorite of mine. Uh, James and John and then Blind, Blind Bartimaeus. You've got to read those together. Tell them. They go hand in hand. They're parallel stories. Um, so we'll, we'll start there next week. Uh, allow me to pray. Let's get ready for church. Our glorious God in heaven, we just ask that you would uh, mold our hearts to serve you all the way to the cross. God, we know that if we follow Jesus, that it entails that we follow him all the way to the cross. For if we do not die with him, we do not raise with him. And we want to raise with him. We don't want to die with him, but we do want to raise with him. And so we just ask that you prepare us to die well so that we can rise even better. May we rise with your son and be seated in the heavenly places with him. That is our ardent prayer. To shape our hearts in obedience and resurrection life. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks, everyone.